The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club bonus episode. Very rare, but new bonus episode coming at you. I'm John Burke, and with me is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are going to be talking about a very special movie that we got to uh, watch ahead of time, ahead of its world premiere, and this episode won't come out until after its world premiere, and that is Being Frank, the Chris Seavey story. Um, and the reason why... Uh, I made sure Corey was able to see this one too. Is Corey loves the movie Frank with Michael Fassbender, right, Corey? I love it so so much. And let's not forget our boy Domhnall Gleeson mm-hmm. has Maggie yep. Gyllenhaal and it's... the director of Room, not yeah. The Room, Room, yeah. whose name I always forget. Same. <laughs> um, but. Uh, when I saw Frank because of Corey a few years ago, she really recommended it and I did enjoy it. I, I actually have been meaning to rewatch it, especially now. Um, but I didn't know until I was uh, getting ready for the festival. And you, I think, pointed out to me that it's a real guy, that there was a guy who wore a paper mache head named Frank. Now, the movie Frank takes a lot of liberties on that for sure, especially after watching this documentary. But um this guy, uh, Chris Seavey, was a musician, um, British, a British guy, big fan of the Beatles, uh, wanted to be a musician, was having no luck, no luck, no luck, no luck. You know, he had a few moments, a few potential hits, but nothing stuck, then makes this character called Frank, and it blows up, and it kind of takes on a life of its own. Frank Sidebottom. Frank Sidebottom, yeah, it's important we use his whole name. We're not buddies. We don't know each other. We should have, though. Um, but so this documentary kind of starts off with Chris Seavey and you, you see his early life and him kind of developing into the guy he becomes meeting his wife and all of that, uh, becoming Frank. Um, and then, uh, you know, dealing with, with, I think being a secondary character to your own life that Frank took over and kind of ruled his world. Um, what'd you uh, think of the movie, Corey? Forewarning. I'm going to use the term love a lot um i am so happy and was so happy that i got to watch this so thank you thank you and i feel important like i mentioned on a different episode because we're under embargo i was like yes um (laughs) it's hard to not talk about the things that i love though i just loved it so much i liked being introduced to he did this not frank but he tried to be and do what he loved for decades and he's so admirable i think in so many ways because i don't know about everyone else but it doesn't take too many no's for me to get disheartened and rethink things which isn't a good way to be but still i just loved this so much and i actually as soon as i finished watching this movie i went in uh ordered the book oh interesting who wrote the book um he's oh I want to say Ron. I can look it up really fast. But he was one of the guys that talked a lot in the movie. I think he was wearing a hat. And it did, I think, say that he was the author a couple of times. Oh, okay. 
but well um, there's a lot of interviews um and i do before we get into the premise and we will do spoiler warning for if you haven't most likely you have not seen this unless you saw it at south by southwest um but it's a really compelling story and it is a true story so some of the like quote-unquote spoilers aren't technically spoilers but um i really thought uh some of the cinematic choices for this documentary were really interesting. Like the interviews are done on these really weird sets that um, some feel very surreal, almost like like they they look like we're supposed to just be in someone's like room. Like this is a normal, sit- yeah. But but there's weird stuff going on, and and like the clothes they're wearing are weird, um, and even the way the camera's positioned. The cameras usually we're shooting a wide shot um, down low, so we can see the whole room from head to toe with the person. And yet they're still full in frame and it's, um, it's a unique technique for interviews. Usually we do talking heads. We're looking at a, a mid close up, um, maybe a mid shot and, and we'll cut to a close up for more, you know, intense moments of conversation. But almost all of the interviews I think are shot like that. And, um, I couldn't help but notice it cause it, it almost, it didn't quite have a fisheye look, but it was definitely a wide camera angle, but up close so we could see the room and the rooms again had elaborate sets. Some were much more interesting than others. Uh, some were, I think, either recreations of sets from the Frank TV show or actual sets from the TV show. Uh, some had, like, Frank, like, mannequins in the set. Yeah, or memorabilia. Um, one guy, I think, was sitting in front of a keyboard, if I remember correctly, or a soundboard or something. Like, it was... There were two guys in costume in front of keyboards. Yes. And I, it's, it's, I watched this Friday night, and we're recording on Wednesday. So it's been a few days, and I am sick, and I've watched a few other movies since then. Um, but I was... Uh, I was taken by that. I thought it was a really interesting looking documentary on top of it being an interesting documentary. And I, I think it matched the weirdness of Chris Seavey because he is a unique character that I didn't know was a character. I didn't know he existed. Like, and I don't remember the movie Frank well enough. It, does he, is his name Chris in the movie? Like outside of the Frank character? Do we ever learn his name? No, I, when I, he's not... I thought his name is just Frank. Yeah. So wrong. They definitely took a lot of liberties with that element of the story. Um, I think. I love it. Oh yeah, no, and I'm. I, I don't. It's not claiming to be um, a autobiography or anything, to my knowledge. Um, I don't know if it's listed as a biopic or not, but it's obviously inspired by this. I knew that it was like based off of someone, but I didn't realize how. Like it's mostly. And uh, I. I loved Chris Seavey's music. I wasn't really, I would, I'm definitely going to go out of my way to check out the Freshies and to listen to some of his other music. Oh yeah. But I'm not as interested in his Frank music, but I love the music from the movie Frank. (coughs) Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, uh, I thought the documentary was interesting. And I also, I'm really interested in the Freshies now, um, as a result I'm going to flip through some of my notes and see. Uh, I thought their story when they met Ringo Starr that his brother um, <laughs> tells yeah. was pretty crazy that they like kind of forced their way into Apple Studios. Into and, Apple! <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, you're there and you get to talk to Ringo Starr and he tells you you've got something? And they got to record even. like yeah. they, they were able to get in. They, they didn't get a contract and that's the band basically broke up after that. Um, um, I love the, uh, the rejection slips scrapbook that he kept. Because uh, he was sending before. demos, yeah, it was uh, it was heartbreaking and yet like kind of comedic. It's, I think it spoke volumes about his character, you know, because it is it's one of those things. I think so many people now are afraid of failure or afraid of rejection that we they don't take chances. And I, honestly, that was me um, doing this. Is still every time we do a podcast, every time I write a review, it's still 
it feels like I am not afraid of the of failure or rejection, like that I'm putting it out there to be read and, and nitpicked and, and chewed apart. And yet, you know, it's, um, I do it. And that's, I think he clearly has no fear when it came to that. Cause he, he just kept trying no, no matter how many times he was told no he he would do it i think that that spoke a lot too about how much he loves art because how many other musicians or artists have you seen that like creates their full product from everything yeah like he was uh, the mastermind um they, they showed a letter that he wrote and i wrote down i like paused it and had to write it down because i was so i loved what it said um you may well ask what uh what are you trying to do and he said, I'm trying to make a living doing what I like. That's all. And it's such an honest and truthful uh, statement. And I think speaks volume about like most artists is not, you know, we're not lazy. We're not, um, it's not that we don't want to do other jobs. It's just, we want to be happy with what we're going to do. And so if we can make a living doing that thing, that's what we want. And um, I relate to that on so many different levels and really, it really clicked. And I think it spoke volumes of his character. We didn't give a spoiler warning. Well, luckily we're in the beginning of the movie. So, okay, perfect. Let's get, let's get into a spoiler warning. Okay, guys, we are going to talk about being Frank, the Chris story, I believe. And, um, great detail. Uh, if you have a chance, please go check this out. If it's screening by you, go see it there. But, Full steam ahead. You've been warned. I like the um, the cheese on toast is his favorite food, but he liked it burnt, like where the cheese would like catch on fire. Apparently, like that was the story that one of his somebody told. His daughter told. Ah. I loved so much <laughs> the um, like the stories from the people that were close to him, and I mean, most of the time when we get a documentary like this, I feel like it usually is that. But I just. I feel like sometimes it's so easy to forget that they're people. Yeah. Um, I loved um, the use of his, I'm guessing it's his handwriting. It's someone's handwriting as a transition. And like for his quotes and stuff, I love that a lot. Mm. Um, hmm. And then uh, there, his first big single was the I'm in love with a girl at the Manchester Virgin Megastore. <laughs> Me- Virgin Megastore checkout counter. Checkout desk. Checkout And, um, yeah, I thought that – and that was about his wife, I think, if, I'm, if I understood that correctly. Uh, I mean, he did so many unique things. The, the album that had, like, the computer program on the uh, other side. He was such an innovator, and I think he was so ahead of his time. Um, yeah. That that was for the single Camouflage, and it was just him. I don't think he had a band with him, it said. Um, but he it says that he made the first, like, the first, the world's first computer promo. Yeah, or something like that, like a interactive disc, like music disc or something like that. And if you play the record, and then you put in this computer program, it has, like, it, it like, has... The lyrics, the lyrics and, like... Album cover, it. yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, "Wow, that looks and what, insane!" Was it, that eighty three? Yeah, I think so. And it, I mean, it was impractical because of the device that you would need. Nobody else had kind of thing, but um, it was Which a really ingenious idea. Was a thing with him because his wife says at the beginning that they didn't have a lot of things that other people had, but they had a like a V eight. They had like a, a video camera. Hmm. Because he, like, he did his whole product. He, and I, 
I wish that I could get a hold of, like, um, he made the comics and um, they were handwritten and he would include um, handwritten notes to people that were signed up to get them. Um, he would uh, draw all the cassette labels and I just thought it was so great. Uh. Um, so we get into his world as Frank and um, I'm going to let you spend as much time on that as we want, but... I do want to um, talk about one thing that was said about him like later, and I, I wish I wrote who said it, but uh, the dummy can't survive without you, and you can't survive without the dummy was like kind of um, summarized his experience with the character Frank that he built this character that got him the fame that he was looking for, but not in the way he wanted it, and yet he couldn't leave it because that's the only way he could have the thing he wanted, and it, it definitely seemed to mess with him. And we learned that he he got really bad into drugs and alcohol and. Um, left his wife and it, like you know it was pretty that part i was surprised because um when we meet her she's introduced to still as his wife. his wife and throughout the film like there's no indication that they're not together and then when she reveals like at that point that he left me i was like oh wow that's i didn't see that coming because it's like you're being referred to as his wife and i had such a hard time that they just got a divorce like that and she even said that it was this thing and we were together for like 26 or 27 years and it was just over it just ended yeah like abruptly and the way he asked for it even sounded very abrupt like he's just like i don't want to be married after he came back to her mm -hmm. um i was very sad and it kind of made me feel negatively towards him but then i had to remember he's a whole person um but i ooh. Oh, it, and, oh my god, when he made the fan club line, and it was his oh, own yeah. personal phone number, his home phone number. Yeah, And who crazy. is that accessible to their fans? Oh my god. <laughs> and she said their phone never stopped ringing. And they're, like, playing, I liked how they used so many different oh, forms of his media to, yeah. um, like, propel this. Because they put in clips from the old um, message recordings that people left, and there was one very indecent one. Yeah, boy, she was going crazy. Pipe down, pumpkin. Um, and there was, like, at, like, closer to the end, this was, like, towards 92, but um, that lineup for the Reading Festival, uh, Nick Cave, Mud Honey, Nirvana, Ride, Manic Street creatures and then frank sidebottom was part of the lineup i thought that was nuts yeah i didn't realize that actually um i mean i i, I don't know how i never heard about this guy because i don't either that's the thing when we when this documentary came to light i assumed then that it must have gone away like in the 80s or something and then when i found out that he tried to resurrect a character in 2007 or well, well did resurrect the character in 2007 i'm like wait a minute where the heck was i that i was it only in england like it doesn't seem like it was only in England, but I mean, he was very heavily set around so that town. Tip, uh, Timperly? Is Tim it Timperly? I think you're right, Timperly. I wrote it down, but it's like Timperly. I should have asked uh, Matt about this. Um, <sighs> should have had Matt on, our resident Wait. English expert. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't, I never knew this guy existed. And yet, he seemed like he was pretty famous, um, at least there, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Especially, you would think after watching Frank, like, that I would have done some more research, but, um, I don't know. It's an interesting story. It's a well-put-together documentary. It's definitely super engaging. Um, it moves pretty quick. I think it was, I think it was only like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that, but 
it it's paced very well and i do like to you know documentaries i know especially with you are hit and miss like you're not a big fan of docs right no I have to but, be I mean, this is a... really interested, and usually most of the ones that I watch are about music. I And music I docs like are always... I, music docs and music movies, for me, almost always pull me in because I am so, so fascinated about music. Um, but uh, I do like documentaries. I've actually found over the last couple of years that I, I can really enjoy a well-told documentary. No different than I can enjoy a well-told narrative because documentaries are just showing real-life stories in most cases, you know? And there, there are some out there that are more experimental where they just, you know, or the approach. Uh, this is definitely heavy interviews, um, almost all interview. You know, it's interview-driven, voiceover. Uh, we hear a lot of music, a lot of audio tapes from Chris Seavey, um, video clips and, and things from his experiences as Frank. Some of the Frank stuff did have me cracking up, like the whole soccer thing. Um yeah, you know, how, the big shorts. Yes, and he made everybody else, and they took all these photos together. And I forget what was that called? The books that he kept each season. Oh yeah. Um, and all of the. I wish that I could just touch one because they're so amazing. I was really surprised at the paper mache head. Like there's a, a couple of shots where you get to see the inside of it, and yeah. like it's like heavy foam. foam. And um, I didn't realize he was wearing like nose plugs to make the voice nasal. I didn't either. Um. And like I mean, it was it was crazy when we saw him take the the ma- the paper mache head off, because for most of the doc we just see Frank or we see Chris Seavey. We don't see him become Frank, nor do we see Frank become or return to Chris Seavey. And it, when they finally did that, I, it was really shocking. Like to me, I was like, "Wow, oh. we're actually getting to see like behind the scenes of it too." I kind of want to. Okay, I have a couple more things I really want to talk about. Um, I thought he was so fun, and I liked the part where his wife talks about how fun he was with his music, and I love Joy Division, but at a time when we had all these super serious bands, here he was, like, being crazy, um, and he st- when he stole the um, the uh, Stiff Records letterhead, and he yes. was sending out secret meeting invitations to all the other record labels, I... Hmm. Yeah, that was pretty ingenious. He got to interview really awesome people. I saw he interviewed Baby Spice. Um, yeah, in yeah. London. And why am I forgetting the one of the music, one of the bands from the one of the musicians from the Smiths? Mm. And I can't remember if it was that guy, but he's like, and he asks these weird off the wall questions. And one of the interviewees even says. These are some really interesting questions that you're asking. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who that was because that was somebody reputable. Um, yeah, and I can't believe I didn't write that down. At one point, with the guy from the Smiths, um, sorry guys, all I know is Johnny Marr and Morrissey. Um, he just stands up and goes and gets in the shower with the Frank head on, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they show that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him showering. Um... Yeah, I don't have who he interviewed. I can't. I didn't write it. Down. Oh, I love the Frank as Batman costume though. Um, did you see that? Like where he had the because he had the mini Frank, the Frank puppet, and Frank puppet had a Robin costume, and then there was a scene where Frank was dressed up as Batman. I love that. Mm, I don't remember that. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm Batman obsessed, so anytime I see Batman, I'm like oh Batman. Um, I love that they also kept. Um, see, I told you guys, love, love, love. Um, they had like that photo album of all the photos that they had with fans that dressed up as Frank. 
Yes. And I think it was Yeah, his that brother. was really cool. And he was like, some of them are really good, and some of them are very bad. And yeah. I, I can't imagine that making a paper mache head is easy, guys, so... I would Well, you saw the work that went into his. Like it, it wasn't just paper mache. I mean, there was like foam padding, and then uh, I mean, I forget complex he used from the, for the eyeballs, so he could see out, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just nuts. I mean, it was it was a pretty like it's silly looking, but at the same time, it is um, it's it's pretty artful. You know, like it's crazy that he was able to construct this and make this whole character because it started off with him being like a obsessed fan like frank was an obsessed fan of chris cv mm-hmm. um and then that it evolved where everyone just wanted frank and you know the music that he would play like i'm not even sure how he was able to play a lot of the, the songs are just like him mashing the keyboard um but he he can't see that well you know he can't he doesn't have full range of motion of his neck or anything in that paper mache head so a lot of like the playing the music was just keeping it definitely simple and just one or two keys at a time on the keyboard or having like pre-made beats and um but the songs that you hear in the movie of frank's are not i wouldn't say they're good songs they're funny yeah i don't feel like they're supposed to be which also yeah what does that say to him about all of the music he worked so hard on and that is good Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the the tragedy of his life, and um, a, a big spoiler, I guess he is dead. Um, I don't remember. Was it a heart attack? I think that he no, died from. No, he had cancer. Oh, that's right. That's right. He, he had cancer, um, and he died only a few, like two or three months after he found out he had cancer, because he had yeah. resurrected his five year Frank plan, and he yep, was and he was like in year three or four, I think, when yeah, he passed. He was finishing up four. Um. And then he was going to retire it altogether, but uh, yeah. But I mean, he had he did have a, a career. Again, it wasn't what he wanted, um, which is you hear that story from time to time. You know, you want to be a dramatic actor, and you end up being a comedic actor, or you want to be. Yeah, you get you get stuck in this world, and everyone wants you to just do the same thing, and um, you know, it's you got to do what you got to do. It did make him depressed. I was uh, surprised. For two reasons, that he ended up working with Bob the Builder. Yes, and there he is again, just doing what he's done his whole life with that. Like when he went into Apple Studios, and he wasn't leaving until they gave him something. And then with that job too, he went in, and they were like, "Well, we don't really have a job." And he's like, "And he didn't leave. He just came back yeah. every day." Like, yep. Ugh. Well, and but Bob the Builder resembles Frank to me, like because oh of God, his head, like the big head, that big head. Um, so I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, but, <laughs> um, yeah, like that was cool too because I had no idea this guy worked with this you know iconic TV series, you know. Mm-hmm. And the I don't know who it was in relation to the show if he was the director or a writer or something, but he said that he worked on some of the storyboards and he built some of the. Uh, sets i mean I, yeah like a there you know. there are many sets they're, they're for the the claymation but and that he uh, what he did with so little yeah and you see that throughout the film the guy was super creative like all of his cassette tapes that he made the cover art himself like they're gorgeous like they're really cool art covers like and he just was drawing them for, like per album like he wasn't like making copies it looked like he drew them for each cassette tape and they said they were to they were made to order yeah like <laughs> I think it's brother said and there they i just feel like there were so many interesting pieces of like so much like interesting anecdotes and little stories and things and i loved when they're like talking about the supposed code around the borders of the different artwork that he makes as frank 
Yes, and, and that's in the uh, the credits. Yeah, and they go back and mathematicians and like these this team of code breakers go in and they do they they figure it out and then they end up finding the code in the back of his address book. The whole it was there the whole time. Yep, um, just sitting there. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm taking over this podcast. I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you are. This is one. This is a a subject that I think you're more um, attuned to because you were really into Frank, and this is something I didn't even know existed until you pointed it out to me. Um, um, and I would like to point out the freshies are on Google Play Music. Um, <sighs> as is a lot of the Frank Sidebottom songs. So, oh, the freshies. What we heard of them, I liked a whole lot. Um, they. Um, the closing quote, um, now he, here he is writing again, or someone is writing, and it, uh, now let me know what you would like to do, and give me just one good reason why you can't. Yeah. I mean, that, that hits home for me so much. Um, you know, that's everything, um, that I teach, you know, because as a teacher, I'm constantly at odds with my students, and sometimes with their parents, where they, they are they love film they want to pursue film but they're afraid and it's like we're told that the arts don't pay like it's a risk though i mean look at chris cv is a good example of the risk he never he never got to achieve what he wanted and he did have problems like we they talk about his financial problems like frank was successful but he was in severe tax debt um you know so there are it's not like this is all happy story he doesn't find fame and everything works out it's it is a, a question, and he doesn't seem fully satisfied by by the, the later part of his life. You know, he's uh, apparently cheating on his wife a lot, doing a lot of drugs, drinking a lot of alcohol, um, still trying to fill a void that's still in him for whatever reason, you know? So um, while there's a lot of things about the character or the person, I guess, I don't mean to say character, but um, that imply you should follow your dreams, It's it's there's definitely, there's a cautionary element to it, you know, like you have to be able to deal with those losses and those failures. And while it looked like early on, he was taking it with a, a grain of salt and being positive. It clearly wore on him. I mean, you know, the fact, especially because all those rejections and then the one thing he doesn't mean to get famous with is the thing that makes him famous. And then he's stuck. Um, so the, you know, it, it is, there is a tragic element to it for sure. Um, and while we can appreciate all the art that he made now, he he did he yeah it's depicted that he's not uh, obviously he there's some happiness it's not like i don't think he's depicted as like some you know evil guy or anything like that but he's definitely a troubled artist the very common cliche of the troubled artist you know um for some reason vincent van gogh keeps popping in in my mind thinking about him we're also taught we're taught that a the arts don't pay but then b like if you work hard enough and you want something enough that it'll work out that yeah yeah it's the the happy ending that we'll get um la la land for example they um um, oh go ahead no i was you know i don't want to spoil la la land but la la land and then like there's there is hope obviously there's tons of movies made every year we watch them we talk about them that's what this is so people make movies so it's not impossible to do that for a career it is a challenging career and it is very talent based and it's fickle you might be super famous one minute and then gone the next right like or chris cb's character here or not character chris cb's life he's not famous he has a hit not famous again has a hit not famous gets frank 
is unhappy with Frank, apparently, you know, even that falls through eventually, and then he brings him back, and then, you know, it's just um, ups and downs, constant slides, and yes, there are actors like Meryl Streep, who has had a career of what I think has been constant success, maybe she's had some downtime that I don't remember or can't think of or wasn't aware of, but then there's other actors who you, you hear about, like, oh, they won Best best Performance, and then you never see them again, from them again, whether by choice or they just can't do it again. They can't replicate, or the next movie they do doesn't live up to it. Or, like, Nicolas Cage is such a great example. For a long time, he was considered this top-tier box office draw. Now he's a joke. You know? Um, it's crazy how quick it can all change. All that money he's making. Um, he's still working yes he is still working just not working on stuff that's making lots of money but i'm sure he's still getting a living from it but they um i appreciated that they gave us that little bit of closure with knowing that his archives are being preserved at the manchester public library if i ever get Mm, to go mm -hmm. there and i was really sad and i kind of had to pause and rewind it and then rewatch it and then go Wikipedia and Googling um, when they did the this movie is in memory of I forget the first person and that makes me awful but then it does his youngest son oh yeah Harry CV and then I had to go do digging go do a little digging because I was really sad and he was really young and I was afraid it would be something like we normally hear and he was a musician too, which they have him sitting in like a room with instruments and he's holding a guitar. But he was a cyclist and he oh. got hit, uh, killed by a driver at the age of 24. He, this driver oh, no. hit him and another cyclist. The other cyclist had minimal, uh, minor injuries, but he ended up uh, passing away from it. What year was that? Um, I'm not sure. It's got to have been kind of recent, right? Because, like, I didn't feel like his interviews were older. No, I can probably. I just was kind of, I hmm. could. I thought that I was wrong, and then. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, it says 2017, but. So, last year? Holy heck. Uh, yeah, in February of 2017, the man that hit him was arrested. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's tragic. Um, man, but. Um, it's a it's a documentary, especially I think if you're a music lover or if you're just interested in uh, someone relentlessly pursuing their dreams. I think it's a very compelling documentary. It's interestingly shot and it's it's a crazy story. Like there's some really funny moments in this movie. We I kind of maybe made it sound like it's just a downer of a movie and it's not. There's a lot of fun in the movie. Um, some of the interview guys are cracking up at stuff and then some are pointing out like how odd Chris was and things like that. But I I really enjoyed most of the interviews. Um, they move quite. It's it's cut pretty rapidly. I would say for a doc, it, it I moves. To, I had to rewind and pause so I could read some of the things, because. Yeah, and there, there uh, it is a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of different accents and uh, going on. So yeah. you, subtitles is a good idea. Uh, but I didn't know how to turn on the subtitles, or if I could. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. Uh, for our screener, we may not have had that option, but by the time people are listening to this it's on netflix or it's on amazon or or it's 
uh, DVD or Blu-ray probably. Um, I don't know how big of a theatrical run, and that could uh, be determined based on its world premiere, um, which again just happened at uh, South by Southwest when you're listening to this because we cannot post this until after that, um, but we will be posting this. So um, I think that's our review. I, I think this is a must-see documentary. I see it is definitely a must-see. Yep, and we are, of course, biased because we're both music people. We both like the movie Frank, even though, again, while Frank is definitely based off of uh, Chris Evie, it is not an autobiography or even a biography, I would say. Um, it's just based on the character of Frank. And what if uh, the proposal? But this movie is the the real Chris Seavey. Um See his genius. I'm going to listen to the Freshies this weekend uh, while I'm walking around Austin in between my, um, my screenings. But... Uh, that's it for this episode. You uh, can follow me on Twitter at Burke Reviews or on Instagram or any of those other things. Corey, where can they follow you? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And at this point, I will have been writing on uh, South by Southwest for several days now. So hit BurkeReviews.com and read my reviews of what I saw while I'm there. Um, I'm going to try to get them up daily, uh, you know, at least a few every day. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many movies I'm going to see a day, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be between three and five every day for Good the next luck. nine days so or eight days um yeah and big tuna will be filling in uh for me with the new releases that i'm not going to get to see um because i'll be at south by southwest so any of the the new release films will have reviews up from big tuna um so that you can keep up with those films as well uh subscribe to our podcast and i think that'll do it for this episode uh cory thank you so much for doing the bonus app with me thank you i'm so glad we got to watch it Yep, and I wish you were coming to South by, but maybe next year. Next year. All right, folks, keep it real. Peace. Bye. Hey, everyone, it's John Burke. You know how much I love movies. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you love movies too. And what we do here at Burke Reviews costs a little bit of money. It doesn't cost a fortune or anything, but none of us are rich. And that's where you come in. You can support BurkeReviews.com. By either subscribing to our Patreon, where you can give a set amount to us monthly, a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, and ten dollars, and we're not asking you to just give us your money. You get perks for uh, signing up on our Patreon. You can go over to patreon.com slash Reviews and see exactly what those perks are, or you can go to burkreviews.com and click on the Patreon link, and it'll take you right there. Um, but if you're not willing to commit to a monthly donation, which we totally understand, there's an option to just donate one time. Uh, if you go to BurkeReviews.com, on the right side of the page, you're going to see a donate button. And through PayPal, you can donate us any amount of money you wish um, for doing that. We will read your name on our uh, the next episode of the podcast, whether it's Burke Reviews Movie Club or Top 5 Movies after the donation is made. Um, with uh, our truthful, heartfelt thanks. Um, not to mention that one of the, the perks of being a subscriber is you get... Um, your name on our website as a uh, supporter of BurkeReviews.com. Um, it's hard to believe it's already been two in, two years and we're into year three already. Um, you know, we love what we do and we hope you love it too. So thanks for listening. Um, thanks for the support. And back to this podcast. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. 